When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Lee Salisbury and welcome to Soap from the Box, the podcast that goes behind the scenes of some of the country's biggest shows. And I speak to some of the biggest stars of those shows. This week has been Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. It's been a tough year for loads of people. So we wanted to recognise Mental Health Awareness Week with two special episodes. The first is with a cast member from Hollyoaks who was involved in a very important storyline. Enjoy. My guest today was born in Manchester with the name Philip. During his career, he has scored four top 20 singles, voted Soap's eighth sexiest star ever, reached the quarterfinals of Strictly Come Dancing, and is in this month's Radio Times as one of the top 100 most influential people of the year. And to me, is the prince, Jennifer Metcalf's Princess of Chester, well, Holly Oaks, a phenomenal actor, a genuinely lovely guy. Please welcome Ashley Taylor Dawson. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. That was, that was what a lovely intro that was. I need that I written know, down. I'm, I'm getting better at the intros. I'm trying to c- compete with Lauren Laverne on Desert Island Discs. You really know how to polish a, uh, you know, how, how they put it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's start with Philip. So, so your name's Philip. Was it the whole actory thing where you had to change your name or? No, not at all. My, my name's Philip, but my parents always called me Ashley. So basically, I've just been confused all my life. And, uh, <laughs> and my, my surname is Taylor Dawson. It's not hyphenated. So people say, so you, you, your surname's Taylor or Dawson? No, it's Taylor Dawson. So it's hyphenated. No. So you're Philip Taylor Dawson. No, my name's Ashley. <laughs> Quite so a complicated name. Philip. And I'm like, listen, mate, I don't know. Blame the parents. I, know, even had mind, I, I just get Sainsbury's all the time. Lee Sainsbury's. Yeah, nice, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, even better. And, li- and no middle name, which I'm really annoyed oh, at. You've got a really wealthy family. You've done well for yourself, Lee. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope I have got shares in Salisbury at some point. And also, <laughs> I mean, I mentioned you and Jennifer Metcalf, who's been on the show, because you are, you are, I think, to people, the leading lights. Because I'd said this to Jennifer, it's like, in all the other states, you've got like Bill Roach, who's been there 60 years. And in Hollyoaks, if you're there for kind of more than 15 years, it's almost like you are the hierarchy of the show. I know, it's sad though, isn't it? <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> you know, my, my hero, my hero will always be Tony. Tony, the face, of course. That's why I call him Nick Picard. I know, the, yeah. Uh, and we obviously had Jeremy Edwards. We had Jeremy Edwards on as well, who came back recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and also, I mentioned, and we'll come back to this. I mean, I know I was messaging last night about this. The fact that you, I'd forgotten you were in this band, and I don't know whether our paths crossed because I used to work on live and kicking the Saturday show. Did you ever do it? Any, any yes. Of those? Yes, we did. We did all of that and the smash it stuff and. Uh, we were, basically our show was on Chums, you know, uh, SMTV. Oh, did you? oh, brilliant! 
the last show was a 15 minute kids show on chums i mean that was such an amazing time and that's when you know all the kids t- well it wasn't even just kids tv was it it was just sort of a cultish kind of tv when Ant and deck were killing it with cat dealy and um it's just very exciting to be part of that time but okay. obviously living in that time you don't appreciate it at the time so you know it's I, I look back on those years with very fond memories when at the time I was sort of 20 21 and what I was doing wasn't that cool and it wasn't what I wanted to do but actually when I look back at it it was amazing you know the fun we had I mean imagine now kids sitting down to watch four hours of Saturday morning telly it just wouldn't happen do you know what I mean it's like I know, yeah it was like what that, that now that's the problem I know so well I'm gonna as we go through, do a bit of it just so anyone that's watching Hollyoaks and listening and doesn't know the brilliance of the back catalogue of All Stars. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to play little snippets of the song. The first one I'm going to play a snippet of. Oh, I can't believe you're doing this. Land <laughs> of Make Believes. <laughs> I mean, you don't need any more than that. It's amazing. <laughs> Cover of a Bucks Fizz song. I mean, amazing that you covered a Bucks Fizz song. Well, yeah. I mean, it was um, we were managed by the same company, same management as Steps in A1. So you can see the link there. And, you know, they were trying to recreate the same kind of vibe. And, and it got to number nine now, which is incredible. Yeah, we did Top of the Pops four times. And, Top of the Pops? Yeah, you know, we did Wembley. And we did all the things you wanted to do in this country as a band. But I always used to sit there just thinking, wouldn't it be amazing just to sit here with my guitar on my own, singing them on my own songs? Yeah, I, you know? think all, I think all pop, yeah, members of pop bands like that thought that. And Well, let's get to Hollyoaks anyway. So you joined in September 1999, had a little break for that music career from 2001 mm-hmm. to 2003. You've been in the show ever since. Initially a bad boy, and the characters matured somewhat. And, I mean, a busy few years, gambling addiction, disowned by his family, helping his dad fake his death, an affair with his mother-in-law. Recently, a hugely important depression of Mel Sidside's story. But, so, I mean, it, may, you, it was a real bad boy character, wasn't it, at the beginning? Yeah, uh, Darren came back from America, um, where he'd been with his mom, and he came back with a chip on his shoulder about his father. And it was it was quite funny at the time, because I literally just used to walk into scenes and upset people. It was just, <laughs> just one-dimensional. There was nothing else to him. He was just a horrible person. And and I think that's where I sort of took the writing and just twisted it a bit, because it was so unrealistic. It, you know, you just couldn't keep it up, you know. So um, I just started trying to make him think he's funny. You know, he came across awful, but he actually thought he was funny. And I, I think they, the character developed from there, really. So he's a bit of... Um, the village idiot kind of thing instead of just this nasty nasty guy and that's what's come across when we especially doing this podcast it's been to so many episodes is that it's almost like to stay and so you have to do that anyway the character has to change i think that's what it was but i think as your confidence grows when you first join the show and um you know you you realize you have got a license to play and to think with things and eventually the writers right around you um my first couple of scenes that i filmed um i remember the director saying to me Aren't you American? I'm about to say, uh, me, me personally? No, the character, you've just come back from America. And I was like, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to. Have, well, why haven't you got an accent? I said, well, I wasn't told to do an accent. Do you want me to do an accent? And he goes, I think you should if you're from America. I was like, okay, okay. so I did two, two or three teams. And then someone got onto that I was doing it. And I sort of said, to, they said, have you been told to do this? I was like, no, which I was okay oh, with. But in the long run, that would have been awful because then you really will find holes in your performances, won't you? Unless you've studied it. Um, and then we had to reshoot it all, and the, the director got told off. So that was a nice start. Oh, sure. Oh, my God. I mean, being a director, that's quite a big decision to make on set. Yeah. No, 
yeah, obviously as a young lad, you just want to, you know, say yes to everything and, you know, give give them what they can. And uh, <laughs> yeah, luckily that got twisted around and I said, you know, I haven't been told to do this. So, yeah. And also what's changed is your costume because, I, I mean, he was quite famous for his string vest and gold uh, bling. Yes. Yeah, I miss that. I miss it. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, I had pink velour tops, string vests, gold chains, big baggy jeans, just just you know, leather pants, all sorts of weird, but nothing that was like a style. It was just a mess. And there was something in that that I quite enjoyed because as any actor will tell you, when you have props basically, you can play with it. And you know, if you if you put a scar on your face, it sort of feels like you're in the in that in that place, you know what I mean? So putting all these ridiculous clothes on just enhance the performance in a way i think in so it's quite good especially initially i suppose to have something that's far removed from you because i think so the, the weird thing is as an actor isn't it it's, you it's good to have a character that's got real character because otherwise because you're doing it every day some soap characters can become quite similar to the person yeah 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 well this is what it was and then it, it sort of gave you a chance to play with what you're doing and just be even more outlandish because you stood there with everyone else who's dressed up normally, you got a string vest on, a pink velour top, leather pants, <laughs> and a weird hat, and you just look like an absolute idiot. But you embrace it and, you know, make something of it. And then how much has the show changed since you've joined? The show's been on 25 years. I, what was I on 20? I think I must be 21 years in. Wow. Um, with a gap. Something like that. So how's it changed? I mean, because Hollyoaks, what I loved about doing Hollyoaks is single camera, so you've got a bit more time. Obviously, it was always single camera because I remember Jeremy Edwards said at the beginning it was even like film affected and real kind of really glossy. Is it? But has it changed there over the years since you've been there? Yeah, massively. We, um, I think when I first came on the show, we'd just gone from one episode a week to three episodes, which was a big deal. Um, just as I joined, I think that was. And then, you know, from then on, we moved on to five episodes a week, which was huge. Um, so as a, as a place, as a, um, a production, it's, you know, it's a lot bigger and, you know, you've got five or six shoots going on at any one time. Um, and like you say, but they still remain with the one camera because it gives you gives the directors and the artists a chance to sort of play around, make things look more interesting and, you know, be a bit more artistic with the shots. And like you said, actually, which I don't think we've talked about earlier, that was the mad thing for me that you do actually have about five teams working. It's not a massive set, is it, outside? So it's literally you can be like metres away from the other unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been mad in the past because it's been like take for take at points and it's just, you know, it's ridiculous sometimes, but somehow we muscle on through and we get on with it. Okay, so what I do is a little kind of quiz to guide us through the storylines. Um, most people never remember the answers because actors obviously learn scripts and then forget it, but I think it was quite easy. So who did Darren lose half of the pub to in a poker game? Was that Ooh. Warren Fox? Yes, Jamie Lomas. Ooh. And... I was going to say, so because you, again, it's quite nice because you've got Stephanie Waring, obviously um, uh, Mandy's still there, Sarah Jane Dunn and Jess Fox. There's still people, that, it must be nice having still that crowd of loads of you there that have been there the same amount of time. Yeah, it's nice. There's been a sort of resurge of that with Sarah Dunn coming back, Gary Lucy coming back and obviously with um, Steph being there and Jess, you know, so if we, we've got the old crew that are there and I think it kind of helps balance the ship a little bit as well because I think with not the experience of the acting, but the experience of the place. It always helps to sort of pass that on to other people and, you know, keep people in line. Billy <laughs> Price uh, sang your praises on his podcast, saying what an amazing oh, you are. Because uh, it must be quite it must be quite weird being on this, because you were the young guys, 
and now it's not like you're old, but it's almost like there's a new generation of the younger. Is it kind of is it weird taking on the mantle of being kind of one of the more experienced mentors? Well, it does. It upsets me though because I used to be the guy that used to take everyone out. You know, used to all I think as a cast every Thursday we'd be out, and you know I suppose that's age as well as you grow up. I've got three kids now. I can't just be going out every night. <laughs> um, but you know, I used to basically anyone who was new, I said, right, come out with us. We're going here, there, and everywhere. And you know, the social side of it for us was was incredible and. It's like yeah, essentially it was like being it's um you know we didn't we didn't go to uni we went to Hollyoaks and yeah, we were filming okay, yeah did you used yeah. to live because I know most people especially younger ones because most people live, move to Liverpool to do it did you have like were you in a house with other actors at first yeah I was very lucky I went straight into the girls' house when I was there and no <laughs> one could believe it in true Ashley style I basically rocked up and. And all the girls said, do you want to come and live with us? There was the boys' Amazing. house and the girls' house. And I went and lived in the girls' house. <laughs> <laughs> For obvious reasons. Uh, say no more. <laughs> say no more, yeah. We'll leave it there. Yeah. And um, yeah. obviously, Dad, Jack, he's still there, isn't he, Jimmy? Yeah, he's, he's still there. And Helen, obviously, Frankie. I mean, legends. When I got there, just working with... I mean, I can't. I just couldn't believe how funny Jimmy is. He's, like, uh, oh. just amazing, isn't he? There's no one like him I've ever met in my life. He's got more energy than anyone our age. And, he's, you know, he runs every day, but he's just full of... I mean, you know yourself, he's the biggest idiot ever, but he'll do anything for a laugh and he just doesn't stop. He's an uncoiled spring, you know, he's he's, he's off his head. It's great. <laughs> uh, as is Helen. I mean, I loved Helen. Oh, my God. That was, uh, yeah, shell-shocked by them. Uh, so who does Darren rescue from being strangled with a rope by Silas Blissett? Oh, one of the girls, one of the loves. One of his loves? Yeah, one of your loves, yeah. Just... Was, it, uh, was it Sienna? No, it was Nancy. It was Jess. Was it Nancy? I, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, you've had, he's been a bit of a ladies' man, hasn't he? Kind of set with most of the girls, you know, it, it's gone through a fair share. Yeah, it's funny. I would be at a wedding, Grace's yes. wedding, getting married to Trevor. And it's so funny, I'm sat there, and at the time I was with Nancy, and I had Sienna behind me, I had Maxine next to me, I had my mum, Frankie, who I tried it on with, and we basically saying, I've been with everyone in this uh, church right now, it's wonderful. Yeah, we and went, that's uh, we were, for you. We yeah. went through Jennifer Metcalf's, and hers were, we took up a couple of pages in my yes, Jen, Yeah, I think Jen's done the rounds. <laughs> yeah, she's more of it. But what's your, I mean, is it, because you've, I always say, like, if you've got a good partnership on screen, it's amazing, and you've been really lucky with the pairings because obviously I, I work with you and Jess together who you two just the chemistry is amazing obviously you and Sarah Jane Dunn the chemistry is amazing have you uh, is there a is there a favorite partnership and not actor wise but is there a is there a character you think Darren is the best with well at the moment this is where they're going with the show and it's um this you know the history's there with Darren and Nancy it always has been and you know we I think it's nearly seven eight years now I'm not sure how long it is and um the affair with Mandy, you know, lasted for over a year. And I think the storylines played out really well. Um, I, I just I just enjoy the buzz. You know, when you get the scripts and you find out, I, I don't even want to know what I'm doing in the future. I'd rather just read them. And it's like, you know, you're literally sitting in bed at night reading your scripts and finding out where you're going next. And I think when you look too far ahead, a lot of people like to know where they're going and what's happening. I'd rather not know. I'd rather just find out script by script and, and just tackle it that way because it makes it, a lot more challenging and a lot more fun for me personally, you know. Yeah, Charlie Hobbit Bermudale said actually, which I never thought. She said she didn't ever want the scripts because it's almost like in real life you don't know what's coming next. So she was worried that she'd stop. Yeah, 
playing well, this is it. you can preempt it you know unless that's something you want to do and you want to start putting in the feed you know the feed is for feelings or for something else or um essentially if you live and play it as it comes then it just keeps it fresh and interesting and i used to love that's what i used to love as a director all the states when you got your block and just because obviously and for people listening you'd like be filming a block and then your next book of scripts are probably about six or seven weeks on from what you've filmed so it's obviously in soapland that's you know years so so much has mm. changed it's always so exciting because you're like, oh my god as if that's happening now yeah yeah but for you it's even weird you sort of out of the void and straight back into it again and it's completely and I, yeah. you know, like when people moan about storylines and stuff, I, my mate LJ, he now runs, he ran the soapboards for years, but he was a storyliner in Emmerdale. One night we sat down because I was like, oh, it's really easy, surely storylining. And then you suddenly think of a character and it's really hard actually, because apart from affairs and stuff, so it's an amazing job the storyliners do to keep that many stories going all the time. Yeah, and it's not, it's not only that, it's the linking it all up. It's like a ridiculous jigsaw puzzle. I mean, for example, at Hollyoaks, I think there's something like 54 actors and actresses. Um, so... You know, you've got to make sure all those have a drive, have a story, have an interest, have a love, have an anger, have you know, and and then it's all got. I mean, as you well know, and it's all got a link up. And that, I suppose that's the beauty of soap. It's ongoing. It's five days a week. The pressure's on, and they've got to keep on coming up with new, fresh ideas, and not just recreating the same old hash things, which essentially everything kind of is. Yeah, but you've got to really, make it yeah. feel like it for the first time. And um, no one's seen it before. Yeah, I think one thing Hollyoaks does really well is coming up with the ideas. I sometimes think we're guilty of not milking them enough, you know, because it's for a younger audience. They sort of say it needs to be fast paced and, you know, the, the stories have to keep on changing and moving on. But I always think, well, the, you know, the art and the, the drama is actually in what's being said sometimes. And it's that fast paced. You almost miss that, you know. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they do an incredible job to keep it coming thick and fast like they have done. It's, I think that's how soaps changed actually, because speaking to like uh, Sue Johnson, Johnson about the early years of Coronation Street, where scenes were much longer, and it was, it was basically kitchen sink drama soap at first, not that much happened. And I watched yeah. like Hilda Ogden's leaving from years ago when I was researching. It was actually amazing just seeing this scene that was full of characters, but nothing. And I think in a but way, it's just so yeah. fast moving that you don't get those magical, just like nothingness. But I suppose that's because TV dramas change so much. Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, that's what I've, you know, we've got a new producer now, Lucy, who's come back to the show. She's fantastic and she's very character driven. And um, that's the first thing I said is the way, is there any way we can have these scenes? I'd like to sit there with one of the lads or one of the ladies and just sit there chatting about the fly in the room, you know, and actually yeah, yeah, yeah. let the writers write and let the actors act. And it's almost like improvisation, but obviously we can't do that. But just playing around with the fact that people just sit there talking absolute nonsense. And if you can then make that interesting and, get your character involved in it it's it's a lot more fun to play and I think it's it's great for the viewer as well you know so I think she's going to be bringing a bit of that back and I'm excited well, about it because things like even like Gogglebox is huge do you know what I mean and basically that is just I mean the royal family yeah, was almost exactly an that. instrument for that it's just we're yeah. watching people watching telly but actually it's great I know and that, that sums it up perfectly doesn't it everyone's got an opinion as long as you know what the subject is which we all do we get the clip and then you know, go from there and just talk waffle. I think it's fascinating. That's always the most interesting thing about any film is when you get to see inside the heads of people and what they would come up with, not just what's going on in their life. So, yeah, I'm interested to see if we get to do that. So who did Darren find out was his biological mother? Oh, Gillian, yeah. my mummy. Oh, I only bring her up because obviously I'd... Not have I worked with her on EastEnders? No, because then I went to work with her on EastEnders. But were you? Could, did you what? Do you watch? Were you a fan of any other soaps? I mean, I know none of us have time to watch soaps, but you obviously knew that she was the legend that was Kathy Bill. 
Yes, she is. And not only that, and, you know, we all, no matter what anyone says, no matter what walk a line of business you're in, we all see people, you know, through the eyes of whatever we've watched and, you know, and you can't help think, oh, right, oh my, oh, my God, I can't wait to meet her. She's my mom. I'm buzzing. But, you know, what's she going to be like? And she is so beautiful, you know, and she's yeah, not one bone in her body. She was just, she's stunning. I loved her. Absolutely loved her. It was lovely working with her. And, you know, it was a beautiful time when she was here. And, yeah, and you have got that. And I think just out of respect to your profession and what you do, you sort of have to keep on just checking in and see what's going on in the other shows because, you know, I, I, even Hollyoaks sometimes I don't get to watch and I have to force myself to, you know, catch up a little bit and just check out where we're at and what's going on because um, our lives are so fast-paced these days, you know. But um, it's like I've been watching a bit of Emmerdale recently, EastEnders, just to, to see what's going on and see what the difference is and see if you can feel the difference, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think yeah. that's, that's really good. That's really good to do. I think I still do that. I and mean, I think Hollyoaks recently, obviously, was amazingly clever with the whole Billy Price, Sid Summer, Sid Summer thing of him. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole nation went insane that night. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's fantastic. And I just watched. I think one of the most powerful scenes I've seen for a long time was uh, Jess and Mandy's big reveal at this wedding the other day, because obviously that was our wedding and. And they did this scene, I think it was six minutes long or something. And this is what I mean. It was so nice to watch just drama, you know, where yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, they let it run for that long. And I was like, wow, okay. And plus the performances are incredible. And, you know, and I, th- I hope that it can get taken that way a bit more, you know. And yeah, it doesn't I... always have to be doom and gloom. That's my main thing. It's to be nice to sit there chatting absolute nonsense about something. And have you found, so, so obviously that we say it's a younger audience, Hollyoaks, do you find, obviously you get recognised and stuff, but do you have people that have like still watched the show that watched it when you were in it younger? Yeah, no, I think it was almost like a cult thing when we were younger. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, sort of had this kind of vibe about it. And I think as it's grown up, it's um, earned the respect and obviously best soap twice now. And, uh, you know, it's sort of it's sort of got there by its own, you know, its own ways it's it's finally got where it deserves to be i think and being not- noticed for what it's done and you know they do work very hard there and it's a smaller show it's not you know the big channels uh yeah so when it comes to the viewers there is a massive sort of cultish thing and even if people don't watch it now they used to watch it and because of that cult kind you know people my age so i think that's the funny thing that i always get with being recognized people always say hello to me and I, a lot of the time I'm th- i think do i know them all do they know me <laughs> and that thing and they go, You're right and Especially when it's a lad, and you go, all right, mate," and they go, "Yeah, yeah, how are you?" Uh, uh, that that fading in their eyes, going, "Oh shit, it's him on Hollyoaks." So, oh, uh, all right, yeah. And you can just tell them that they just notice that you know you, but they don't know you, and um, you're that guy in Hollyoaks that they don't want to speak to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hollyoaks for me. It was at university. Everyone, everyone watched Hollyoaks at university. It was like a huge cultish thing. Because uh, well, yeah, I'm right thinking your sister in it was um, Terry Dwyer. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I went to Vegas with Terry Dwyer and James Redmond on the holiday program. Saying them all, saying them all, saying them all. Right, Vegas to Vegas. Yeah. Oh, baby. I think, and I honestly think that we had asked for you and Terry Dwyer. um, Why did he take me with you? Come on, no, mate. So James, still do it. You can still do it. But the BBC programs not on anymore, but we should do it. We were Hollyoaks. In, I mean, because I never realised Jen- Jennifer Metcalf was saying, "Did you go to the? Uh, did you do Ibiza?" They won't let me out the asylum. <laughs> so you I haven't been on they, any of those amazing trips. I don't think they trust me to get away. That's the thing. So I could do with a holiday show, please, Lee. So I think we should come up with an idea. Let's come up uh, with an idea, mate. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lockdown and sort some 
something out. Who cares what we talk about? We'll just do something. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> got a new company with Cat Tilsley, so that's what we'll pitch. We'll do a, holi- a, a soap holiday show. Amazing. Yeah. Copyright <laughs> now, everyone. No I'll cook, I'll clean. Whatever you need, I'll be there. Brilliant, yeah. mate. Well, and we're going to just have another, as I said, throughout the show now, we're going to play a little burst of the four hit singles. So we'll just play a little bit <laughs> of uh, Best Friends by All Stars. <laughs> I mean, that video, for anyone listening, you must watch the video for that. It's uh, brilliant. You, you're killing me here. You know that, don't you? Hey, hey look, I'm, I was, well, I missed you last night because I forgot, I, I remembered that band. I forgot you were in it. And then, but it's incredible that you got. The funny thing was, it was a kid's show and it, I think they won awards for the show. It did really well, to be fair. And then they just brought the uh, music out on the back of it, a bit like the old monkeys idea in the S Club thing. So, and yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was it kind of because S Club or S Club? Obviously, that was the time of S Club as well. It must have been. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, um, yeah, it was a very poppy time. <laughs> very poppy time, yeah. I, I mean, the funny thing is, knowing you, like, that music is obviously so not what you would sit at home and listen to. <laughs> no, but the funny thing was, it was like, even then it was weird doing it for me, but it was, you know, it's a job, and I was doing it with my best mate, and we had an incredible time. It's, it's, it's a dream. Even years on, my mum played it to my little kids, and they loved it, and they learned, they learned all the, they picked up on all the dance moves and all the things they were telling us that they needed to do. You know, they were right. You know, it's just what for me at the time, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think every, I mean, I remember S Club, I mean, Bradley and S Club, it was like, you could see every time he sung, it was like hell on earth for him because it was mm-hmm. the most excruciating pain, I think, listening to the S Club songs for him. But Reach yeah, has got it. Yeah, Reach will go down in history one of the best songs ever. Um, but let's go back to Hollyoaks. And obviously, we'll just talk about the recent story, which has been huge, obviously, the depression storyline. So Nancy's ex, Kyle, played by Adam Rickett, came into the show. Um, and obviously, there's a kind of funny link there. We talk about pop music. So he obviously had yeah. the most famous pop video, him naked in a glass cage. Naked in a box. Yeah. In yeah. a box, yeah. Um, but anyway, so both, I mean, so both characters were suffering from depression. You kind of helped each other through it. I mean, it's so important because suicide is as we know like the biggest killer of men under 50 which is incredibly sad um so taking on a story like that like that i mean when you get told about it it must be quite daunting because because you know how important it is yeah it was um it came a, a, a crazy time in my life anyway um but to actually get given that storyline i mean first of all personally i've lost over five of my friends to suicide throughout my lifetime. Have you? Um, oh and it's always, one of the, yeah. So it's, you know, people I have been quite close that I've known, um, you know, three of them very good friends and all male as well. They're all male. All male. Yeah. And even my, the first one was when I was 16, you know, and you think, oh. what, what are you thinking to go through that at 16? And, but the funny thing is throughout it all, I'm the typical contradiction of the storyline that I was telling. And this is why it was such an incredible journey for me. First of all, to get to take on the role, then you have to do the research. So I went to a place called James's Place in Liverpool and I spoke to a young gentleman who was very open. And, you know, I said, I need to speak to someone who I can maybe probe a little bit. And I don't know how that works, if it's something I can do. And this guy was great. He just told me his story and, you know, what he'd done. And I was asking the questions like, well, can I ask you, you know, what, what about your kids when you're planning to do this and you're planning, you know, and he just blankly said to me that, mate, I don't care. You know, yeah. when you're in that place, you just don't. And it, it, the funny thing is, it had it, always been a taboo in my head about what actually happened to my friends and why did they do this? And could any one of them more? And, 
you know, all the questions we ask and then, you know, some people bring up the world selfish, it's selfish, it's this, it's that. And it was a wonderful education for myself because I was that guy who had never approached it, never dealt with it. Yeah. Never um, understood it. Like we all do, I think. I think we just think it's, you know, it's just been a thing that happens, you know. So uh, you met these people. Then obviously Adam, working closely with Adam, did you work closely together on that? Yeah, Adam's amazing. He's a beautiful guy. And, you know, he's he's suffered himself in the past with a lot of, you know, trauma from his life and yeah. from the things he's been through, which I think he's spoke, spoken openly about in a few interviews. And um, it was it was interesting because I think we slowly peeled the layers. You know, you talk about onions and how many layers you've got and all this. But it was yeah. true, you know, we were slowly getting more comfortable with the storyline, realising the importance of the storyline. And the one thing as an actor you want to do is you want to do it justice. So we had a lot of meetings and I said, I don't want to just play this, you know, safe. I don't want to just go here and just do this. I don't want to have the obvious um, cliched, you know, storyline. I want, You know, what they did is they made it around two people so that then you could obviously um, Adam's character took his own life. Um, but Darren didn't, although he was he was the one who was suicidal at the time. And what it gave you was the the fallout of what happens to families around it. Yeah. You know, and how people suffer if they don't go through with it. Because if you just have someone who's taken their own life, then you don't know the, the backstory afterwards. And this is what was clever about what they did. And the feedback um, was just incredible. It was overwhelming. Um, and one thing I struggle with is even social media, because once you open a dialogue with people, it, you know, that's it then. It doesn't stop. And I feel rude. So I did a YouTube channel because it, it came out in the first lockdown. So just when it was all opening up and it was going on to TV, we were going into this lockdown, which is one of the hardest time for any people with mental illness in any way, shape or form. So for anyone. Yeah, we've all learned what anxiety is. We've all had anxiety yeah. now. because of what, And even I didn't understand that word, anxiety. What is anxiety? What does it actually mean? How is it? And the fact is, it's just this pressure you carry around with you, you know, and we've all been through it now, no matter in what shape of form. Um so yeah, I did a YouTube channel because I thought I, I can't answer all these people. I can't just answer questions. It's, so I need to do something. And I, I worked with a resilience coach and we just did a YouTube channel. It was a way of just sort of talking about my experience. And it became, it just became a massive part of my life. And, you know, it's onwards and upwards again now with it. It's not something that's ever going to stop. No, it's great. and that's amazing. That's the power that not only it helps people, because I mean, Shane Ward did the same kind of story in Corey and he said he still gets people kind of coming up to just like burly guys will just give him like a thumbs up and um yeah. which must be so moving as well I'm just going to play a tiny clip of which obviously you spoke to this guy which is amazing it's a guy uh called john jr 32 year old who obviously watched the story and basically changed his mind about committing suicide i'll just put a tiny bit there you don't understand like how appreciative i am because i wasn't even going to watch that episode I wasn't even gonna. I wasn't even gonna watch it because I was just gonna end it. Yeah. And I it. so something connected together, and I'm shaking because I just, I just can't, I just can't believe that this is to happen. I mean, that's just. I mean, it literally moves me. That it's incredible, isn't it? That it was, it was, it bizarre, bonkers, but at the same time justified and and true, you know, and and blessed for you know he was opening his heart and. But what was brave about that is there's there's a perfect example of what soaps stand for and what they can do and the power they can have. Because the interesting thing about his story was that he's watched the show. He knew about suicide. He knew yeah. about 
um you know he'd even thought about his family and you know all the things but in their heads at that time they think the family are better off without them that's normally the um yeah can't generalize but (laughs) the only when he actually watched it in vision shall we say and saw it played out it actually, you know, got to me. It made him see it in a different light. It was light. the aftermath, wasn't it? That watching the aftermath. Yeah, and it, it's the perspective. And I think that's what soap, what films, what TV, you know, what art basically gives you, however you perceive it. Everyone perceives things differently. But the one thing we try and do is do it justice and, and be true to the story and, you know, the, the point we're making. And and when you hear a story like that, and not only that, the work he's done now going yeah, on. Yeah, incredible. I looked him up and anyone listening, look, and we'll obviously put all links on our show description about how you can get help and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I think like that what I keep saying about lockdown as well is although it's been horrendous, I think it's at least made everyone, there's this new connection between everyone, I think. Do you know what I mean? And everyone, in a way, everyone's been in the same boat. Like for the first time ever as a nation, as a world, it's kind of like everyone's got this like we're level understanding of something (laughs) yeah isn't it it's quite amazing really yeah yeah Um, and i think that's worth to take from it make sure we just don't fall back into our old habits (laughs) we were like i know and i think the final thing on it is i think it's so important when it's like choosing the right characters to do that and darren i think was just the perfect character to do that do that storyline with as well yeah i mean when you look at his past i mean he's been through it all and you know i think that's the point you know especially with men you just carry things around um we don't deal with them properly and yeah. um, it builds up on one day i always liken it i would say it's like a, a rope you got a nice piece of rope you put a knot in it and you, if you keep on putting knots in this rope and you don't untangle them one day you know it's completely messed up and you'll never get to the bottom of it again and it's kind of like that with a lot of men these days and i was the perfect example of that you know i was a contradiction of the storyline i was telling yeah. Yeah. So through my own research it's been like counseling myself as well it's been it's been an incredible experience and you know, I'm open to learning and, you know, speaking about it more throughout my life now. Which is great. Um, and I mean, the most, actually the most, not this is totally off subject now, but the most bizarre story to come out of the podcast was Sally Diner on Coronation Street, which people can listen to from the first series. This is incredible. So she played the best story, best cancer storyline in Corrie. And mm. just by playing that story, so she thought, right, I'll get checked out myself. So the day she filmed Sally, the character, finding out she had breast cancer, she also found out in real life she had breast cancer. Oh my which yeah. is inc- i mean like so so again for her she was like this the, the coronation she basically saved my life by taking on that story because i'd not thought about having it and so then that message she's car- continued to carry on so it's just quite incredible really isn't it that i mean yeah but i think that's the point you know everyone's human everyone's everyone's the same at the end of the day we're all human we all bleed we all live and we all die so along the way you know we should empathize with each other and like we say celebrate the differences and and help each other out yeah, and well, just well done on it, mate, because it was. I watched uh, a lot of that, and it is incredible. So well done, and I'm sure, not that awards mean anything, but I'm sure you're going to sweep the board. Right, moving on. So we'll talk about the real you now. We'll go back just talking about the bands a little bit more. I mean, we'll just have to have another little clip. This is the third song of the four, which is uh, the best title, Things That Go Bump In The Night. Yeah. Amazing. I actually quite like that one. Um, and that was that was in the original Scooby Doo film. It was. We went to the premiere of that. It was exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. That got to number 12. The amazing thing about it was, was going to, I mean, we were one of the biggest signed out, um, bands of the year because we had this TV show and um, it was with Carlton TV. And, you know, our first gig, we went to the Brits and then we ended up going backstage and every record label has their own party. Now, ours is Universal Island, so they looked after Eminem and U2. Wow. So there's us, there's Eminem, and there's U2 what? in this tent. And I ended up, you know, sitting in with... And I even took all my clothes off and changed my clothes because I thought, I can't have him see me looking like a little pop star. And if you ask me what I do, I'm just going to say I'm an actor. I'm not saying, you know, because all his music was about cussing pop stars. Um, but I actually ended up dancing on the stage with the lads, and they took me into the tent, and I was sat there with them. I was like, what am I doing here? And that it was amazing. Um, and that was a weird thing about it all. It was such a crazy, amazing time, you know, sitting there with Britney Spears at her premiere and you know, watching Oh Usher my god, well, so we were day. then at the same I went to the Britney Spears Crossroads premiere. Yeah, that's right. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. And did you go to the after party? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. amazing. And I because I'd booked her on the Saturday show, basically all these competition winners got tickets to the premiere and Danny Bear, who presented yeah. it, didn't want to go. So I went wow. with him. I went to the party and because I had Britney on the show with her mum, I got up to like the top of that party, Britney's and room. And let's face it, she, yeah, I was there too. And she oh was my just God, mate. And I saw her smoking yeah. and it ruined it. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. I, I didn't see anything. I just saw love. <laughs> <laughs> that I nothing to say, but I just like, I was in, a, I was in awe. You know what I mean? I know, but you're right. That's I because mean, I worked in music telly. I mean, I, we used to go... Me and Simon Grant, the presenter of the Saturday show, every week, we started doing Top of the Pops Saturday, so we'd go to Top of the Pops every week and record a section. Really embarrassing, so you'd have, like, the main presenters doing these really cool links. And I remember Simon once had to introduce Pink by going, uh, happy birthday, to, to seeing happy birthday, happy birthday to you from this viewer, and it, Pink was just going, what the hell is this? Um, yeah, yeah. But and like every week, it was just the pop world. What was like, the pop world like? It Was it, I mean, it's, it's crazy, yeah, that, isn't it? Yeah, you do something every day. I mean, the life of the pop star, you know, it's funny. You, people used to laugh at them being exhausted and stuff. We used to get oh. up at five in the morning, we get in the car, we go and do a radio show in London, then we drive up to Leeds, we do a magazine shoot, then we do a gig in Leeds, then we drive up to Scotland, we get there at two in the morning, go to bed, get up at five o'clock, do it. And it was just, you're on tour and you just don't stop. No, you know, yeah. you're here, there. And when you're not on tour with, so we tour with Steps, and again, that's incredible. You're doing every arena in the country. But yeah, it was great. But the thing is, it all happened so fast in my life. I did Hollyoaks first, and I'm on tour with my best mate in a band, and we've got a TV show. So I think it was three months or four months solid uh, working, and even that was tough. It was five in the morning till eight at night every day, wow. you know, until we just smashed it out. And then we were away on tour, you know, on tour, or going up and down the country doing gigs, doing school gigs. We did all the school gigs um, tour first. And like you say, it was meeting the people along the way, and the people you meet in that in that industry is is the top we got to the top of doing it i suppose obviously our band wasn't you know we have four in the top 20s but it was the experience that you had and you you know you're there and we did us you know we were there with usher at the top of the pops and i'm stood there, i'm just saying can i go and watch him and you're there next to the stage watching him you know dive into his hat head first and spin across the, you're like this is amazing man. look at him you know and I, th- I think that was it i was just in awe of everything else more than what we were doing and I think everything in this career, I mean, we're so lucky. We've been, um, I always think I'm so lucky, but um, I went to, on tour with, in Malaysia with Blue to film them. And yeah. I was just, I, mean, I could not believe how hard they worked. And also they partied every night. I mean, I, after two yeah. weeks, well, I, was was almost, I was almost dead. Do you know what I mean? And they had another four months touring. I was like, how the hell did you do it? Well, that's what I was like. We had a tour manager and he had to come with us everywhere. So we drive us everywhere. And then I'd be like, mate, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out every night. You've got to realise that I go out. <laughs> 
He's like, well, I'll be with you. But it was like having your big older brother because he was really hard as well. So any problems, <laughs> it was just like having a big brother with you who's absolutely nails. But bless him, he'd drive and his eyes would be dropping out of his head and he wouldn't let me you, you do the map for him because he's a Marine and he's dead stubborn. But, I mean, it was just an incredible time. But even like the BBC, I think we do in the 80s and we'd have a Jennifer Rush and Major and uh, Chris, Chris DeBurr. And we did wow. this 80s show and we were doing a Duran Duran song. And I'll never forget. And I had my chance with Chris DeBurr to ask him a question. And <laughs> can I just ask a quick question? Lady, Lady in Red, who is, it, who is it written about? And he went, well, I was, um, I was thinking about the idea of repetition. And I came up with never have I ever and uh, never have I ever. And yeah, it just came from there, really. And I went, you what? You I what? Said, you can't say that. That's one of the biggest love songs of all. Are you mad? Yeah. You've got to come up with a better story, Chris. I think, I think <laughs> that, I'm sure I read that song was about the person who's, um, I mean, God, this is so allegedly, because I might be making this up. I thought it was about somebody he was having an affair with. Well, this is what I mean, but I asked the man himself, and this yeah, is what he came that. up with. And I thought, mate, change his story. Unless he looked at me and thought, I'm a young lad, and I can't tell him the real idea, but. Yeah, he'll, um, never, he'll, he'll never be on the Graham Norton chat show with stories like that. <laughs> but then I went out of there and you go down the corridor and Alan Partridge has been filmed. Wow. And I saw, I saw his name on all the dressing room. Now, for me, I'm a big Alan Partridge fan. I absolutely love it. So I said, can I go and watch? Can I go and see it? And they went, we'll take you down after you've done this show. And I go down onto the set and he's there and he goes, shut up, Lynn. And I just pissed myself out loud. <laughs> there In the middle of a take and you just think, what a dickhead. So... That was a, a wonderful moment, but again, you know, those little things that happened that now you look back on and you go, wow, you know. You Magical. Know. No, it is. And I remember being in Studio 8 that we filmed something in and they were like, oh, I was like, what else has been filmed? And they're like, this is where 40 Towns was filmed. And I was like, oh my God. It's like, it, I you, love that. that television centre, do you remember the donut? Just, just, it was incredible. Like wherever you walked, there was something going on, like something being filmed. It was just, I think um, I based my character on um, Basil Fawlty at, at the beginning. Once we got I did. I just thought he's that kind of guy who's just here, there, and everywhere, and always gets it wrong. And I quite like that because he was just amazing, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, oh, I love John Cleese, and just the way yeah. he, he talks about acting, the fact that these characters, you know, like comedy always comes from despair, like some tragedy. Do you know what I mean? In the end, there's always yeah. got, he was the one who said there's always got to be heart to everything because otherwise, yeah. you can't just hate a character. So yeah, he's a totally exactly that. I think Darren's a perfect example of that because he's sort of he's, he means well, but he always gets it totally wrong. Yeah, crazy, you know, he's just yeah. A bit, like I say, the village idiot in a way. You know, he's got a heart of gold, but just messes it up big time. And that reminds me of John Cleese in Forty Towers. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Okay, everything's fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> yeah, I've watched those shows. I mean, hundreds of times. I absolutely love it. But early life for you. So you joined local drama club Scams, which I love the fact that it was called Scams. And what I love yeah. reading was you got nominated for a Barry Phillips Award for Most Promising Youngster for your part in Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, which is strange. I got headhunted for that. Were you Jack? No, I was. Uh, who was I? I was just a young lad, didn't it? Um, oh. I can't even remember who I was, didn't it? <laughs> that <laughs> long ago it was. Was I Jack? I don't think I was Jack. But my favourite role was I, I did um, play Dodger in um, Oliver. That was my oh, favourite. Oh, brilliant. That was the one because, you know, watching that and, you know, Dodger was the character, wasn't he? I suppose he's like the Darren of uh, Oliver, isn't he, I suppose? He is. Mate, we've so got so much in common. I played at the Art of Dodger in a big production when I was younger and did that, yeah, in, in the Lewis Theatre. Yeah. It was yeah, the best yeah. role, that, of that play. Oliver was like, you're like, oh, Oliver, mate. Yeah. As a young lad as well, you're like, yeah, I've got the main role here. This is the guy. This is the geezer. This is the boy yeah, you want to be. The one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, from that, is, we got Joseph, and they did that at the Palace Theatre in Manchester. And that was... Um, that was with, first, yeah, with Darren Day, was it? You were in that? 
Darling Day, yeah, Darling Day. So that was my first sort of professional job, as it were. Um, and was it theatre? Was it theatre you wanted to do, or was there? Because I think when I look back, when I used to act and stuff, and even working telly, telly was so far off. Like that's not what I could do because it felt like a. But were you always thinking that you wanted to do telly, or was theatre kind of where you wanted to be at first? Well, no, I did. I did the local theatre thing because my sister was in the show, and you know, again, it was that thing of being a young lad and going, "Oh, it's not cool. It's not cool." And then I saw this guy called Marshall Lancaster who was on the lakes. Do you remember the lakes? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And things like that. But at the time, he was a young lad, and I saw him on the stage, and he was just so funny. And I thought, "That's amazing. I want to do that." You know, and um, so that's why I joined the local theatre group. Um, and then, I th- to be fair, I think it was Joseph and the amazing technical the dream code that made me realise I don't want to do the stage thing because I just found oh, right. it so <laughs> I just found it so draining. We sat down the stairs, laughing away every night, la 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 la. <laughs> and it was, I mean, that is a fun show as well. You know, it's not like it's lame is, and it's a long one where you've got to really keep your wits about you. You know, it's a it's a fun, bright, colourful show. But I just thought, God, doing this, I used to watch them doing um, close every door to me every night, going thinking, how can you be bothered, man? I know. That's my, thing. That's my thing with theatre. I say, like, Chelsea Harpenny, my mate, like, did a year in yeah. nine to five. And I'm just like, I, I mean, I like, for me, we're directing theatre. It's great. You just direct it and then get paid for the run and you don't really do much. You just go and kind of yeah. do notes. But acting in it every night in the same role, it's like, how do you get that freshness every night? Yeah, and that's what you've got to totally admire it. And, you know, I've got a lot of time for that. Um, but I think just for me, it was just like, that's where I realised I like I like keeping things different. You know, like, and you could say, well, you've been in the soap for so many years. But the thing is, in a soap, constantly changing. You know, in that time, I've played every single character you could possibly play within a character. So as long as you take that as a challenge and, you know, if you're getting bored, start doing more, um, start playing with props more, start eating more, start doing something to challenge yourself. There's always there's always ways of making it more interesting. Yeah, I don't think uh, there's any better. I always say this, uh, my running theme is the matriarchs and so but what's going to happen to so like once because younger people don't want to, a lot of younger people don't want to stay and want new challenges. And you're like, but soap gives you all those new challenges every day. Yeah. It's amazing. You play uh, 10 dramas in one. But um, just so moving on, so you also done, obviously, Strictly, which is huge. You were in the 11th series, I think, and you were paired with the woman that, I mean, every man watching used to want to be with, Orla Jordan. And you got voted out in the course finders. I mean, that, I mean, I know so many people have done Strictly, what, and everyone's got a totally different experience of it. How was it? <laughs> well, <laughs> Oh dear! This is—I mean, this is a dark hole for me. Um, Strictly, it was—it was a beautiful time and a I mean, the thing was, it's something I never wanted to do. I never ever wanted to go on stage and do dancing, and it was just going back to those days again. And you know, my biggest fear, really. Um, and my, my even my brother-in-law used to laugh about it, saying, "I think you should do Strictly. You'd be great on Strictly." I was like, "There's no way you would ever catch me on Strictly, man. It's just not my." <laughs> Literally a week later, I get a phone call. Hello, Ashley. We'd like to see you for Strictly. Come. I was like. Oh no, and it's oh. you know, it's an honor. Let's face it, it's a oh, totally. it's like TV royalty, yeah. yeah. Well, it is, and you know, and then you go and you have a, like a, an audition process where you go meet the producers, and we went for high tea, um, and all this kind of thing. Did you go to high tea? Amazing, went for high tea in, in Kensington, Knightsbridge, I think it was, and um, and it was you know, it's like the pressure was on again. I think I quite missed that. That's what I miss about being an actor when I was younger is the audition. I like the auditioning thing, I like getting out there and challenging myself. So it was that thing of now I'm in it, I really want to get this because it's, I suppose, like winning mentality, isn't it? Um, so then you get it and you're part of the biggest show on TV and, you, you, you know, you can't believe it. But I think sadly for me, um, at the time, 
Brian didn't want me to do it because I was in a huge storyline at Hollyoaks and he'd just been through it with someone at EastEnders. Um, but, you know, he agreed eventually, I've got to do it. It's the biggest show on TV. It's an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then you get halfway into it. Bear in mind, I had a baby in the middle of it. So my and first live show when my baby was due. Wow. And I was doing full days at work. So I was doing eight to eights at work and I was going straight to training, finishing at two in the morning, getting to bed and... I was living on three or four hours kit, which I don't moan about, but the experience and to be part of that and, you know, feel feel the power of that show is um, is something to behold. You know, it's incredible. And I just wish I could have actually taken it on full, full heartedly and not, you know, not had all, all the problems I had along the way. It was a bit of a shame. And as we know, like politics do just end in any normal jobs they do. But yeah, the uh, yeah, there's uh, politics. <laughs> Politics, darling. So much <laughs> to go on with shows like that. And then, um, I mean, and you got to go to Blackpool. What I always love, and listen to anyone listening to Blackpool, I do love Blackpool. But what I love about Strictly is it makes Blackpool look like the nicest place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an incredible place. And it I is an incredible it. place, but it's <laughs> kind of not as glamorous as you would think if you watched Strictly. Do you know what I mean? No, of course. But, I mean, it's just the history of the ballroom. Yeah, and it is. It's amazing. I know exactly what you're saying. It's hilarious. But um, but the place is, yeah, it's magical on that day and that night. And, it, you know, that's kind of the benchmark for Strictly. I think most going on, yeah. And I think and this was... year, I think what happened in lockdown this year is all shows like that were actually the saviour because it felt like a bit of normality. Do you know what I mean? Was back, even though it was yeah. kind of weird without the audience. But and the funny one about that is the, the dance I went out on as well was the salsa. And uh, someone texted me the other day, it's the most viewed um, dance on YouTube ever. Is it? Wow. Something like that. That got, that's what I got. So I said, that'll do for me. And that was the dance I went out on. And we worked, worked very hard. It was very funny because I was like, really? And this is what I was saying about the whole politics. It was a bit bonkers. But yeah, yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a nice little touch that when someone sent me that the other day. I was like, oh, well, that's nice then. At least I'm going to watch gets. that because my favourite one, maybe that you'll beat, Matt, if I remind myself that. I think it was with Danny McAnote did like the American Speed or something. Oh, that was incredible. Like, I tell you yeah. what, Danny was ringing me about the show saying, what do you think? And I was like, mate, well, listen, if you ever want to get together and do anything, you know, and little did I know, the first show, I was like, I rang him and said, are you taking a piss? <laughs> yeah. he, was like, he was like, he's a dancer, isn't he? He's like trained. I was like... I can't believe you've come to me and let me talk nonsense to you when you're that good. You know, I, I mean, I was like two left feet, really. So, well, you, you know, were, you were me, really good. Really. It's like Matthew Wolfingham was like, before he did Dance on Ice, I was like, do you skate? And he's like, oh, no, God, it's going to be awful. Uh, you watch the show, you're like, what? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you go, don't I mean, worry, mate, just do your best. Yeah, well, this is it. But Danny was unbelievable, incredible. Yeah, Danny was unbelievable. And OT just is incredible as well. But um, so then obviously, just to end with, you've obviously now got family, you've got three kids. What does it, as an actor, how does it change having kids? Because obviously, I suppose, do you start weighing up options differently? Um, is in what as an actor? Well, yeah, I, I think... suppose like as a, you know, now would you, I mean, I know you're in Hollywood, so it's probably a bit different, but you know, I know like people going on tours and stuff and even stuff like, you know, that, is it the change? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, my, my thing is that I was very lucky at a very young age. I made a load of money and blew a load of money on absolute fun. I spent my life partying and had a great time doing it because <laughs> I was young and ignorant. And, you know, I, that was me. I enjoyed it. And then I turned around after the band years we've talked about and realised I should have saved some of that. I should have done something <laughs> for all that. But you're just sort of in this balloon and you just think life's going to carry on like that. And I think that's what it's like is, 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 to anyone. You know, you, you have to learn your own mistakes. So getting back in Hollyoaks was a touch. And 
from there I said I'm going to get myself a house and building and build it you know just trying to get something so if it ever happens again you know you've got the backup and you know that having kids is you know a proper leveler you know now and since then now I've got nearly four businesses and um it is about oh credit to you amazing let's plug the businesses you've got symposium the nightclub and then your new venture which will be opening when it's well, hopefully in three weeks time, it's ridiculous the work we're doing. It's called the Gro- Market on the Grove. So it's going to be like an indoor kind of market vibe, but we've got a big beer garden and it's all about the food and, you know, the beers and the, just trying to create a nice vibe. And we did a, a healthy, a healthy fast food place in the first lockdown called the Rap Studio. But the idea is for me is to give, get all this back in so that one day, you know, if I want to go and try the stuff, I've got the security because I know a lot of people especially, you know, coming to soaps and they're hungry to get out there and do, you know, follow their dream and follow their career. And I think what you're saying about the children is I'm not the most important thing now. I'm not going to go off, you know, gallivanting around yeah. the world trying to chase, you know, doing a film or something unless I have the right backing and, you know, my my kids, I get to see my kids. And like, you know, yourself, if you get a job, it gets savvy, it gets to the point where you have to take the job because you maybe need the money, yeah. you know, and that's, I think that's what happens to a lot of people. And you know, life is tough. There's a lot more people doing it these days. You know, the internet's blowing the market wide open to, you know, everyone to have a pop. And I think that's fair, but that just makes it harder. So for me, it's about just getting the right setup so that I'm ready to go off. And I'd love to do other stuff. I've done a few films. I did Northern Soul a few years yes, ago. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. Um, I just did one with Sheridan Smith, only a little scene. Um, it's quite funny. Um, the More You Ignore Me is Joe Brand's film. Oh, uh, Mark Addy, Mark Addy, Joe Brand, Sheridan Smith, and this little girl there sat in front of me on my first scene. I didn't know anything about you know, and you're like, now there's pressure straight there, and you just walk into it, and you've got to do a scene with them, and it was wonderful because it, it gives you that insecurity again, and that yeah, yeah, it's um, you that, that that can't and that that fire inside you again, which is great to have, which it's always good to have when you. So that's a great thing. So, but being able to do little things that give you that real kind of nerve, the nervous energy that you remind you. Kind it, of. Yeah, massively. Because I've read the script, obviously. I only had two scenes in it. I'm playing a psychologist. But the thing is, you don't know the you don't know the pace of the film either. They've been filming it for a month or so. And, you know, the whole crew's there. They know what it's like. And I know it's a, a sort of dark comedy kind of thing. And But then you think, well, this is my two scenes. Do I do I really give it some more? Then do you stick out with that? Guy, do you know what I mean? I can't be that guy that comes in and does that. But no. I was thinking about maybe having a little tick or you know, playing with my glasses, you know, just something to make it a bit more physical. Yeah. And you think, do I do that? And then I spoke to the director, he didn't really give me much. He said, The best thing, the best note I can give you is I've got no notes for you. And I was like, <laughs> Oh god, that doesn't help. <laughs> you know, help me. Um, so but it was it was good, and you know, to sit there and just see how easy, you know, it's funny. It was just because I've been so work so busy working on Hollyoaks for years. I'm so comfortable there, and it has given me the confidence and the freedom to try things out. But then you do still have that little insecurity when you go somewhere new, thinking, "Can I do that? Should I do that? You know, and who am I? Who am I to do that? You know?" Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I think that never leaves you. No, it's brilliant, mate, and ma- massively good luck with the um, what's it called again. Your new uh, um, Market on the Grove is Market something. On the Grove. I'll definitely come yeah. and visit, mate. It's been yeah. amazing to have you on, and uh, especially to uh, reminisce about Hollyoaks and the pop days. Amazing. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Me, it's lovely chatting to you. 
Yeah, thank you very much, mate, and take care, and, and we'll definitely meet. I'll come and see you. I look forward to sitting in the beer garden with you very soon, yeah, sir. Yeah, and I must end, sorry, because I asked just before I did this for people to send in their questions. I've literally looked on Instagram, there's loads. I'm just going to pick one from someone called Mark Beckett, who says, uh, if Darren, if you could take Darren to another soap, which would it be? Oh, good question. Um, oh, oh uh, okay, okay. I don't know which way to look at that. I think. I think in some respects, Coronation Street is sort of the the oldest and the, you know, so I, I think to, to walk the cobbles and do that would, would, would be great. Um, but respect to all the soaps, I think they all have their own place and they do a great job. And being in the soap for so many years, you can only respect everyone. So, but, um, but Darren, to, Darren, Darren does use trial with everyone. So maybe he'd get, I mean, we just get Rita a, love, a new love interest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, be a proper toy boy for Rita. I'll take proper that all day long. Toy boy for Rita. Really <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Amazing talking to you and uh, take care. See you soon. And you too, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much to Ashley Taylor Dawson from Hollyoaks, one of the loveliest guys in television. And what an important storyline he and Adam Rickett were involved in. It is Mental Health Awareness Week this week in the UK. You can find the Mental Health Foundation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There will be another special episode coming in the middle of this week, so stay tuned for news on that. There is, of course, another episode to listen to right now because there are two every week this series of Soap from the Box. I would like to thank, as usual, David Stevens and the Bothy for their edit and technical wizardry, and Ian McCallum for all of his press help. Have a safe, happy week, and see you next week. (laughs) 